What is going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Earn Your Good Day podcast, where we have a fundamental belief that people are stronger, more resilient, and far more capable of things than they believe in or are told are even possible. I'm your host, Zach Kanadi. Now, before we kick off today's episode, I do have two asks of y'all, and that is one, uh, if you find today's episode interesting, valuable, or worth sharing, uh, that you please share it. I'm trying to grow the show, and I can only do that so much by talking about it myself. So I'm uh, relying on you guys a little bit to help me out with that. And number two, which honestly is a more important ask for me, uh, that is if you find any of the episode's information useful, that you actually use it, right? As much as we can talk about this and listening to it's great, none of it matters unless it's actually put into action. So please, if you find it useful or it's helpful to your life and situation, please use it. All right, now to kick off today's episode, it's gonna be a pretty simple message, uh, but I wanna illustrate it to you guys with a couple stories of how, of one example where I've done this thing well, uh, actually unintentionally, and another example where it was not done so well. And that one will kind of have two parts to the story. And then we're gonna kind of end it with a little bit of ways to implement this into your daily life so that it can just help you out in general. So what the heck am I talking about? What have I done well, what have I not done well, and what am I saying you should do daily? And that is being more prepared. All right, now this can be, this actually was uh, the Boy Scouts motto. for the entire, it still is, it's these Boy Scouts motto. And so it's kind of drilled into my head growing up as a kid, is always be prepared. And then, uh, so we'd always take that super seriously, whether that being prepared for meetings, you know, camps, grounds, campsites, camping trips, um, different events we would do, right, like our year. And so a lot of, for us to do this is we would do a lot of training, whether that be first aid training, uh, whether that be planning, we used to do like monthly plannings as like the upper level scouts and scouts in leadership roles. And then the entire troop, we'd actually take a whole weekend once a year and it would be our planning conference. So we'd plan out the entire year, not super detailed, but we'd have all the merit badges we were going to do. We would have all the camping trips where we were going to go. Um, any activities we were going to do, you know, important dates that we need to have off, uh, all these things. And then because then once we got into the year and we would have a monthly planning for the next upcoming month, and that's where we would make sure all the logistics are good, uh, any paperwork that's being signed. And so very rarely did we have issues going places um, or, you know, having last minute hiccups because we weren't prepared because we spent so much time preparing ahead of time and then also anytime we ever had injuries now luckily we never had a severe injury growing up as a kid but you know somebody rolls an ankle they get a big cut or they get a burn because scouts like to play with fire Uh, (laughs) everybody was prepared because we'd spent i don't know how many hours doing first day training whether that be the first aid merit badge just going over different scenarios, um, 
We'd actually sometimes get special training if we're going on a special camping trip, like when we went backpacking in New Mexico. Uh, we had to have people get wilderness first aid certified. And that's because, well, we could be two, three, four days out from anybody getting help, depending on how lost or how bad the situation is. So we needed to be able to find help uh, and be able to take care of people come worst case scenario. So now I want to tell you guys a little bit about times we uh, weren't prepared. So you guys can kind of see how this can go wrong. And when you don't have this uh, going on and then times we where I was prepared, we'll follow that and then end it with some daily and weekly routines to help you just stay more prepared in general. So when I wasn't prepared, it's kind of going, there's going to be two instances in this story and uh, it happened. These both happened on the same trip last summer. I was backpacking for two weeks in New Mexico absolutely gorgeous place in the southern rockies i would highly recommend going there if you can uh, beautiful camping grounds anyways so i was we were there for two weeks and the first instance happens about two-thirds of the way in uh, actually three i think they're actually only like a day or two apart and then the last one happens on our last day on trail so the first one uh We'd been hiking for about seven or eight days at this point, and it'd been raining the entire time. I think we'd had one afternoon out of the entire eight days we'd been on trail with no rain. And this particular day, uh, we were, we had about 40 or 50 river crossings. And some of these river crossings, you could just walk across rocks on. Uh, some of them, you actually had to take off your boots because the water was knee or even like mid thigh high. Some of us ended up just saying screw it and <laughs> letting our boots get absolutely soaked because they'd been wet for the entire week. So what was a little bit more water in them. Uh, and so we're coming to our midday break and we're at the staff camp where we're supposed to have a program for during our lunch hour. And so we get there, we've been hiking about five or six miles so far and today's trail actually was pretty busy on this day. Uh, we've been seeing several of the crews coming and going, uh, one of which was our sister crew, and others were kind of just random crews. And sometimes we would pass them at certain points because they had more older people in their uh, crew, or they had people who were struggling a little bit more to cross the river. And our crew, we were all pretty young and fit, and so we kind of just buzzed right along. So we stroll into our staff camp and we'd been hiking for quite a few quite a few hours at this point. Everybody gets off their, takes off their packs, takes off their soaking wet shoes and we're trying to dry everything out because it finally stopped uh, raining. So we had a little bit of sunshine so we wanted to take advantage of it. And so we are relaxing, pull out our lunch and we're napping and you know eating some food and all of a sudden we see these three younger scouts. I'm gonna guess they're between like 14 and 15 years old. Uh, so on like the younger end of everybody who's able to be at this campsite, cause it's called what's it's what's called a um, high adventure campground. Basically, I mean you have to be 14 because it's a lot more risky than your average weekend camping trip. And they're running down this trail just like, and I'm talking absolutely 
booking it. And they're just screaming, medical emergency, medical emergency. We had somebody fall on trail. And older adults fall on trail. It's a medical emergency. Somebody help. Somebody help. Now, again, mind you, we'd been hiking. Our crew had been hiking for about probably six miles. And there weren't many trail crossings, uh, meaning there it was pretty much they could only come from this one trail and the last staff camp we saw uh was one the one we left at that morning so we had about five or six miles of trail before we could go back so we're like oh snap uh this is not good right and they're yelling that an older adult had fallen so or it's a medical emergency with an older adult. So does that mean they had a heart attack? Does that mean they fell into the river? Does that mean, you know, they broke an ankle? You know, what does this mean? And my thought is, oh shit, okay, I know how to help. Let me go run and help. So I hop up and straight away just book it down trail, right? And I'm talking hauling ass. I'm sprinting it and... I don't have a 50 pound pack on my back so I'm feeling like a freaking light gazelle uh, <laughs> running up the trail bouncing off rocks just you know hipping and hopping I'm like okay cool I wonder how far back they are uh, they told us you know maybe a half mile to a mile they didn't even know so I was like all right well we should be there in just a couple minutes now there's two important things that I I did not do in this instance uh, that I should have done and have been taught to do that will come into play later on in the story. Number one, I did not take anybody with me, right? And this is critically important because if you're going to go attempt to rescue somebody, uh, the biggest rule of that is don't become a victim yourself, right? Don't become a patient yourself because now instead of one person being injured, there are two people injured. And if you don't bring a buddy, right, now both of you are stranded and now two people are going to risk losing their lives. The second thing is I didn't stop and take a first aid kit, a map, a bottle of water, or anything. I literally just hopped up and whatever was on my person hopefully was going to be enough to get me on this trail and help me with this rescue. So this person, you know... Uh, broke their ankle and they needed something a splint i didn't have anything to splint that if they had a bad wound i didn't have anything to stop the blood other than the clothes on my body right so in this instance i was not prepared at all i just heard somebody needs help and bam hopped up and ran the second thing is i didn't take anybody now luckily the other adult leader uh who is in the crew hopped up and starts running after me now he's in crocs so it isn't really conducive for him to be sprinting up a single track mountainous trail in crocs after a kid who is literally sprinting up the trail because um, he's much more likely to become a victim himself because he's wearing crocs and they don't have the backs on them there's camp shoes so he calls me down and we slow and we rendezvous because we're already a couple hundred meters up trail and we've committed to doing this uh, and so we're like, all right, hey, just make sure I can see you and hear you, you know, at all times. So every once in a while I would stop, call back, 
Billy! And he'd be like, Zach! And I'd be like, okay, I'm going ahead! And be like, gotcha! You know, so we're communicating, going back and forth, working as a team. Still, neither of us have a first aid kit or anything. And we go back and forth about three or four times, and finally, uh, we get to the crew, right? And on the way there, we'd seen a couple crews, none of them knew anything, and every time the story's changing, whether it be somebody fell in the river, you know, they had a heart attack, it's an older adult, it's a younger person. And I'm also thinking this whole time, we've seen four or five crews and nobody stops to help this injured crew, right? They're just trucking along. Um, something like, guys, what the heck? Like, either this is no big deal at all, right? Because if it was a big deal, I really think, you know, 40 or 50 scouts that we've seen come down trail so far, would have stopped to help this person. Um, or it's absolutely nothing, and we don't know why everybody's hooting and hollering about it. So finally, we get up to uh, the crew and come to find out it's none of the things that have happened, that that we've been told actually happened. It's a younger scout. He's about 16 years old, and he is in shock. And he was at this certain river crossing where you have to essentially tightrope walk across a log and because the water underneath is about three feet deep and it's moving at a pretty good clip and there's really not a whole lot to hang on to. Now luckily uh, this scout uh, slipped onto their back and so their pack caught the brunt of the force and they just had a little bit of soreness in their back. Uh, and then the rest of their crew ended up pulling them to shore and they've just kind of been hunkering down. So now, like I said, we have no equipment to help us. So we kind of just do a, a verbal assessment of everything and we get in contact with the staff camp, luckily because somebody has a phone that gets reception. And so we kind of hunker them down, do all the other checks, check the rest of the crew because the dangerous thing about shock is it can be um, pretty sneaky and that if you have, you know, you might not quite notice somebody's going into shock until you really take a look at them. Uh, and shock is kind of what it sounds, except instead of just like a mental shock, it becomes more of like a physical shock. And that's usually due to like the severity of an injury or situation in your body. Uh, going into shock can start to shut down. Right, so you can get dizzy, uh, you can get lightheaded, start getting nausea, uh, your blood sugar can change, and a lot often times people can pass out. So if they're in, a, if they have another injury, all these things can be really dangerous because now it's compounding whatever is already going on. So thankfully, the staff gets there and they bring more medical supplies, which are not needed because uh, the kid's kind of just in. He's just shocked and is coming to, but he has no external injuries, just a little soreness of where his pack uh, hit, you know, took the brunt of the force into his back. But other than that, he's doing okay. I even saw the kid at the end of the, at the closing campfire. We were all back at base camp and talked to him and he was really thankful that we had come to help. And, you know, they looked him back over at base camp and he was totally good. Um, so yeah, that was that was the main story. Now that was an instance where 
I was very unprepared and kind of stupid, but it was lucky that nothing horrible came about it, right? And I want to tell you guys a second instance of where we had a adult leader uh, who was unprepared and that being unprepared actually turned into a search and rescue mission uh, for him on this exact same trip only about three days later. So this is our last day on trail and this is our longest hike. It's going to end up being about 14 miles uh, with a little side hike that we're doing and it's pretty much just all straight and all switch back. And this one is particularly mentally difficult. The terrain itself is not terribly treacherous in terms of elevation change. It's kind of rocky. Uh, so you got to watch out for your ankles. But it's mentally difficult because for the last eight miles, you're just doing switchbacks. And it takes about six hours to do these eight miles. And the whole time you can see base camp. Uh, now i've been to this camp i've done this section of trail twice now and this is the second time however so we go up and this is the morning of our last day of trail we actually wake up before sunrise because we wanted to get to a peak so we could watch the sunrise and now there's a rule that you can't leave before first light and that is because this camp is riddled with mountain lions and mountain lions are uh, nocturnal and they're actually most active at dusk and dawn and if you leave before first light you really can't see a whole lot uh, even at first light so it would it's kind of just stupid and you run the risk of running into mountain lions because nobody is up before first light right nobody is doing anything uh, so if anything is to happen and you even are able to contact one of the staff camps or base camps you, you're, you just got to pray that somebody's up or gets up. So we left right at first light, even though we wanted to leave prior to. Uh, we get to the camp, this first peak, and we get to watch the sunrise while we're having breakfast. And it's, guys, it's just absolutely glorious. And then we get to a second peak, and me and this other adult leader, uh, Billy, are both personal trainers and we're really into fitness and so we were like well let's get more aerobic so let's let's be fasted for this you know and then we'll eat uh when we get to our lunch spot or even after the hike you know uh and that's essentially guys what that means is we're hoping to use more fat and have our system just be more metabolically efficient if you're when you eat you're more anaerobic uh, for this type of terrain and so you're using more carbs and you develop more lactic acid so you get more of that muscle burn either of which are fine and perfectly effective most people should eat um, when you're doing this type of terrain and we just decided not to and it was going to be a little bit of a mental challenge added to it because we we're both in really good shape at this point so we're going and we get to this final peak, it's called the Tooth of Time. And when you're at base camp, you can see it because it's just this bare uh, cliff face. Then the cliff face is probably about a quarter mile tall before you get into the tree line and it hits back into the uh, hills. And so, but it's a side trek, it's a, or a side hike, it's not on the trail. So you have to kind of break camp and then you go up. Now the first time I had been at Philmont, uh, we actually did not get to go do this. Excuse me, that's my phone. Let me know 
I gotta get going to work here soon. But, so I was very ecstatic to do this hike. Uh, and so I was like pushing everybody. I was like, guys, I wanna get there. Like, I wanna, this is, this is the only thing I've cared about this entire trip. I don't care if we did any of the staff, <laughs> staff activities or whatnot. So we end up doing it. And Billy uh, normally has a rule where he will take his day pack, which includes a map, water, food, a compass, and uh, a, a mini survival kit. And that's just his rule. Whenever, if he doesn't have his main pack, he will at least have this. And which is really smart, especially where we are because there's terrain. And when you're going up and down this uh, side hike, there really is no trail. It's just a rock field with some uh, trees and everything looks the same. So if you're 100 meters to the right, it pretty much looks the same. If you're 100 meters to the left, pretty much looks the same and you're just gonna pray that you actually come down the right face. So we go up and everybody gets there. Uh, we have two guys in our crew who are struggling so they take a little bit longer to get there and Billy stays with them. He's, and I'm kind of the other adult leader so I go with all the other kids who are spider monkey climbing up this and everybody gets there and you, you get to the top and there's this view where you can look out and see about 500 miles probably. And it's a split and we're off to your right and the east is the plains of the Midwest and the off to the left and the west is the Rocky Mountains. And we can actually see the snow peaks up in Colorado, uh, which is freaking beautiful. Now, it's I can't even like describe it in words, but it's so amazing because you're just looking straight up, uh, and it's like perfectly divided. Where on the west is all mountains, and on the right is all plains, and it's just this incredible divide of terrain. Uh, anyway, so everybody gets up there, spend some time at the peak, about a half hour or so, and we get back down. And again, I'm going with the fast kids. Uh, and Billy actually this time is going fast with us. I think he was excited for some food and to get back. Uh, plus the other kids kind of raced him. So he was having to do that. Uh, so we're going down and I see our four fastest kids pass me and then Billy passes me. And I'm like, all right, cool. We'll see him in a couple minutes. Get to the trailhead. Um, the three kids, the four kids that I saw earlier are there, uh, but there's no Billy. And I'm like, oh, okay. Billy probably, you know, turned around and walked back, made, checked on our other couple slower guys because it's about a mile trail hike. Uh, and again, like I said, it's just a rock field. So we get back and Billy, however, uh, everybody else comes back and Billy's still not there. So long story short for the rest of this, we end up going back up the trail checking it he's not there uh and then so we wait a little bit billy still doesn't call I try calling him no cell service of course and so we're like all right well now it's time to grid search the rock face so there's about three other cr crews there we gather them all up so there's about 45 50 of us and we grid search the rock face and we're yelling out everybody and telling them his description you know, he's got an orange baseball cap, sunglasses, you know, the same shirt as I'm wearing, uh, which is our crew shirt. And he's got cream colored shorts um, and a knee high 
scout socks. You know, he's about 5'8", you know, pretty well-built guy. Uh, anyways, keep seeing him. Nobody's there. And at this point, we're starting to freak out a little bit because there's crevices. And so these boulders are about as big as a bed and a desk, or even like a small car. And then there's all these little dips. So I'm starting to think, well, shit, Billy fell into one of these and he is, you know, he's unconscious with a broken leg or he's bleeding out and we're going to miss him. Uh, eventually, I see another staffer and they have a walkie. So we radio down to base camp and they radio around and they get a couple other uh, staff members who their whole job is rescue missions, right? So people get lost quite a bit, especially on this trail because about halfway, everything looks the same. Uh, end up fine. So we get sent back down to the trailhead and we're told to just wait, which all of us are absolutely pissed about because we spent the last two and a half hours great searching this mountain face uh, looking for our adult leader. And now we're just told to sit by and do nothing. Uh, and so everybody's getting a little antsy. We're all like depressed. And we all know him. And Billy actually lives only about four or five blocks down from me at home. Uh, and so I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to have to tell his wife and his kids that we lost her husband on this trail. Uh, but another about hour and a half goes by and come to find out Billy actually missed the trailhead and ended up at the next staff camp, which was totally in the opposite direction we thought he was. Uh, and he, the only reason he ended up there was because about, you know, he's going down for about 20 minutes and he realizes he's lost. And now while he was very unprepared with his equipment, he was mentally very prepared. And Billy is a martial artist as well as a personal trainer. And he's very much about the mind, body, soul connection. So he sits down, he meditates, collects his thoughts so he doesn't freak out. That's the last thing you ever want to do in a survival situation. And luckily he'd been studying the map all morning because today we actually had a lot of trail crossings and we had to make sure we were at the right places. Uh, so we had kind of a pretty good picture in his head of the map and he actually ended up sh uh, shimming his way down to the next staff camp and was able to again contact with them. So everything, Billy was all okay. Uh, but we saw him down at base camp and he said, you know, this was the only hike on these entire 12 days on trail where I broke my own rule of not having my day pack with me. So in my day pack, I always have a map, a compass, you know, and these other supplies so that if I get separated, I can find my way back. And now mind you, we'd also all been training uh, for orienteering, which is how to orient yourself on a map and terrain. And so Billy, and Billy was actually one of the best, uh, he was the best in our crew, so there would have been no problem for him. But just goes to show, you know, had Billy been prepared, we wouldn't have been having to search for him for literally almost four hours and everybody's freaking out thinking we just lost a crew member and it's the last day of our trek. Luckily, both of those situations um, all turned out okay. Everybody was okay and it was more scary than not. Um, but I do got, want to tell you guys one more story about where I ha was prepared 
uh, thankfully, uh, because I've done so much training. And this was actually a story that happened uh, a while ago, but I had to call 911 on a personal training client of mine because I thought they were having a heart attack and ended up being very scary. So I was training with this client. Um, they're the last one of the night, so nobody was coming in afterwards. And just a normal workout, uh, this client was in, I'll say an older lady because she got pissed at me when I had to describe her as elderly to the uh, dispatcher. That's the only thing she remembered about it. Uh, but anyways, so we're doing a normal workout and we do a full body workout. So we do legs, back, and then uh, pushing exercises. And we're starting a new training block where it was getting more intense, trying to you know, go work on work capacity and muscle hypertrophy, which means training to too close to, if not to failure, uh, whether that be mechanical form or muscular failure. And anyway, so we're going, doing our normal thing and the client, they're looking pretty good so far. And then, you know, they uh, tell me they're feeling a little lightheaded and they just want to sit down for a second. I say, okay, that's cool. This isn't the first time and we're working really hard today. So oftentimes, you know, changes in blood pressure can cause a little bit of wooziness. So I wasn't too concerned. Um, just, you know, kept an extra eye on them. Anyway, so we go back to it. Uh, that happens one more time. So now I'm getting a little more cautious, start pulling back intensities uh, just because it shouldn't happen that often. Anyway, so we're doing uh, one of our last exercises and they start telling me that they're getting the same symptoms. Again, woozy, except now they're getting a little nauseous and it feels like their heart is racing. Well, I'm like, oh, okay, this is not good. So I have them sit down and they keep telling me the symptoms just get worse. And now my job, I'm like, okay, this is not looking good. I need to remain calm because my client now is starting to freak out just a little bit. And so if I start to freak out, it's just going to exacerbate their sense of um, scariness. And so, you know, give them some water, tell them to lay back, uh, have them was thinking, okay, it might be hypoglycemia, you know, dehydration. Uh, and then they'd start telling me that their chest is starting to hurt. And then right after that, they can't breathe. And their symptoms are progressing incredibly quickly at this point. Uh, they probably add about four or five symptoms in 30 seconds or less. And now like they're starting to hyperventilate and I can just tell they're getting into a panic. Um, so I'm thinking, oh shit, uh, my client is exhibiting a lot of the symptoms of a heart attack. And they're a little bit older, they're in the mid 60s. And we've been working extremely hard. Uh, I was like, well, goodness gracious. Uh, so I got my phone and mind you, it's only been about three or four minutes at this point. So everything's happening really quickly. And I'm starting to freak out just a little bit. So I take a couple deep breaths, call 911. We have an AED in the gym. So I get that ready just in case I need to shock them. Um, and so I get it all prepped up and which actually you're not supposed to do because that like you're not supposed to start it until you need it because then the voice recording goes and it doesn't shut up. So uh, it's going this whole time and now my client's freaking out, they're getting dizzy, I have to stop them from falling over on their chair. But you know, I'm talking to the dispatcher 
And luckily, where I'm at at this point, they have really good first responder time. It's so within five minutes of getting the phone call, the paramedics are there. Uh, my client is loaded up onto a stretcher and they're sending her off to the hospital um, just to check her out. So they do all the tests uh, and everything turns out a-okay. Happened to just be a degree of a severe batch of dehydration, which led into a panic attack. Uh, her heart was okay. Her stress tests were a-okay. You know, all her blood tests came back just fine. So it just happened to be dehydration and a, which led into a panic attack because of the symptoms. Uh, and talked to the paramedics and they said, I followed all the procedure perfectly and that they wouldn't have changed anything that I did. I did everything by the books, how it's supposed to be. And it was probably the best thing I could have done because had it been a heart attack, um, you really only have a short window uh, where you can get your client uh, into something or you can get a patient into a you know proper medical facility so they can treat it and mitigate any damage that that heart attack is going to cause so because i and i want to say this one is prepared because had i not gone through all the trainings that i have for first aid whether that be in scouts um, as a personal trainer and work at my uh, job where my boss drills us on it and we'd run through it several times and i'm very familiar with the situation and the setting uh, I would not have been able to maintain calmness. And I'll tell you guys, even during the whole situation, uh, my brain was racing so fast because I'm like, oh shit, my client's having a heart attack. Oh shit, my client's having a heart attack. That it still was really difficult to keep a level head. And that's just because you can do all the training and all the drilling you want, but until you've been through this situation like this where it's literally an emergency, there's no way to prepare yourself. So, um, but luckily I had done all that training, thankfully, because I really didn't have to think. In fact, I couldn't think. It was just what I had to do um, to get it done and everything turned out okay. So those are a couple stories of where not being prepared led to, you know, could have led to some really bad outcomes and where being prepared uh, ended up being the best thing that could have happened. And, allowing me to actually be functional in a very scary situation and be there properly for my client. But those are some really extreme situations of preparedness. And now I wanna to talk to you guys about how to be more prepared in your everyday life because odds are you're not gonna be in an emergency situation anytime soon. At least I pray you're not because they're absolutely horrifying. Uh, but there are ways where not being prepared in our daily life can add a lot of stress. Right. If you wake up late and you're not prepared for your day and now you have to scramble to get together all of your things and you have to end up forgetting something important and now you're even further behind or, you know, you're super prepared and you're, you know, you can wake up, be relaxed, know you have everything and actually let yourself have a great day. Um, both are really Awesome. One is not so great, one is really good. And so how can we do this on a daily basis and even a weekly basis? So I'll start with weekly. Um, this is what I do is on Sundays, I actually plan out the rest of my week. And not to the detail, but I write down on my planner everything that I have to do, the days, the times, 
and any specific tasks that I have to do for that day. Now, normally I have three critical tasks. If I have three critical tasks that I know I have to do for that day, I will write all three down. Otherwise, I'll usually write two down and kind of pencil in a third because every once in a while things change. And if I have something else comes up where that now becomes a critical task, I have that in there and I can still get everything done. Um, and I'll do that usually on Sundays and that is also the day I usually will go grocery shopping or um, plan out my meals and do my meal prep so that I'm already doing a few little things to help my next week be easier. And then during the day, I actually will do two different things. I have a morning routine where I will double check everything, um, you know, review my journal, my plan for the day and my planner. I'll journal so if I have any thoughts or anxieties, I can get those out and start my day really easy and at peace. Uh, and then for preparedness, my nighttime routine is actually where I get do more of that. And my personal one is I will, I do what's called the two minute drill, where I literally set a two minute timer on my watch and I will do everything I can to prepare myself for the next day and make my life easier. And what that usually includes is preparing all my bags, um, which was my workout bag, my backpack <clears throat> for work. And then I will set out my clothes, my gym clothes, my work clothes, and any other outfits. I will prepare my water uh, for the day because uh, I will bring a water bottle and then I'll usually bring another shaker or two for one for coffee and one for any supplements I'm going to take. And usually I'll prepare my breakfast or set it out because a lot of days I'll do overnight oats. So I'll put those in my jar with milk and I'll put them in the fridge so that all I have to do in the morning is grab and go. Um, this really works for me because one, in the morning, it takes a lot off my mind because mentally I'm not super functional. I'm tired, I wake up early, I don't want to think. And until about, you know, after my workout, about 7 a.m., 7.30, am I really functioning now? Um, and that just makes it really easy for me and alleviates a lot of pressure throughout my day and I can go through and actually be present and think about the things that I need to instead of having to worry and stress about things I should already be prepared on. And I'll tell you, on days that I don't set myself up the night before, my days are much more stressful and almost always will I will forget something that I need that day and I either have to cut something out, shorten something, or just rush around a little bit extra where I shouldn't have to and I don't need to had I taken Literally, it takes all of this. It usually takes me more than two minutes, usually about five to 10 minutes, um, just because I got it down pretty well now. Had I taken those five to 10 minutes the night before, uh, my next day is tens and tens of times easier. So that's kind of the story, guys, the episode. Um, really, I hope you take to heart and actually start using some of these things to be prepared. And honestly, it's general just organization of your life. And it doesn't have to be big. You know, it could just be setting out your clothes the night before or gathering your bag the night before or actually just planning out your week. You don't have to do all the things, um, but doing one thing to help yourself be more prepared for whatever you have upcoming. I promise you guys, it's made an incredible difference in my life, my stress level, uh, my ability to handle stress 
and more importantly, my ability to just be present and actually deal appropriately with the things that I'm supposed to deal with. So guys, with that, go out, be more prepared, but more importantly, kick ass and earn a good day and share a show for me. Thanks. Peace.